Hello, I'm that Williams guy again here for First Person Safety, and tonight we have joining us once again, Eric Gilhouse. Hello, Eric. How are you doing tonight? Good, Lee. How are you? I am doing well, especially since this time I correctly pressed the record button. So, yeah, folks, you're getting take two, so we better be good because we've had a practice of this tonight. Uh, thanks to Eric for his patience. Uh, Eric is currently engaged in what I consider to be a very daunting process. He is responsible for merging the what we you know consider a new technology, uh, pistol-mounted optics, into history itself, into the modern technique of the pistol as you know formulated by Jeff Cooper and Gunsight, you know back in the '60s and '70s. And uh, Eric's going to talk to us about that process. So, Eric, uh, tell everybody about yourself real quick, and then we'll start talking about the process. Briefly, uh, former military with deployments overseas, uh, retired out of law enforcement in 2019 after a 29 year career as a patrol sergeant. Been teaching down at Gunsight since 2001. Uh, been one of the range masters down there since about 2010, our lead instructors. Um, and then 2019, right around the time I was getting ready to retire, I was asked to take on a couple of different projects, one of which we're talking about tonight, which is bringing pistol-mounted optics into the into the curriculum, the pistol curriculum down there. All right. I guess, you know, in the intro, I mentioned the what we're considering to be a new technology of pistol-mounted optics, but it's really not new. No, I was, it's, it's not new. I was shooting competitively in the early 90s against guys running pistols with optics, red dots mounted on the frames coming up and over the slides. What's new-ish is smaller optics mounted on the slides and newer is those being reliable enough for us to actually be able to use them in all conditions. I guess a better terminology would be the, the increased prevalence of the yeah. carry optic model. Yes. All right. Could you give our listeners, our viewers, a very quick rundown on the modern technique of the pistol? So the modern technique, as Jeff Cooper put it together, was composed of five parts. Originally, it was a weaver stance. I'll come back to that in a second, right? Five count presentation or the process to get the pistol from the holster to on target. A flash sight picture, come back to that one too. Compressed surprise breaker, how you manipulated the trigger. And then the heavy duty semi-auto pistol. Um, originally, that was pretty much the 1911 and a couple nine millimeters because that was about all that was available at the time. Um, it expanded into the full range of full-size guns. And then over the last several years, with the, preval the prevalence of CCWs, sealed carry, we've seen not only the mid-size guns, but the smaller guns coming into that, provided the shooter can work for a whole week with those, right? At least in the training side of things. And revolvers as well with their resurgence. Cool. So going back to the Weaver stance for a bit, um, there's the mythology out there that gun sight's going to make you shoot a weaver stance and we're going to make you shoot a 1911 if you come through the class. Neither of which are true. Um, I, I don't know how they kind of get, continue to get propagated, propagated, but we're not going to make you do either. Um, we'll show it to you. We'll demo it. Right? We have students all the time shooting some variant of the isosceles, some variant of the weaver, or what works in between for them, as long as they can manage the recoil and run the pistol. Uh, probably 2015 that one of the staff members wrote a pretty lengthy piece on the migration from the weaver stance to a balanced universal fighting stance that was up on our website for quite a long time uh, it's, i don't think it's there anymore but it's not an issue we just go off of a balanced fighting stance on it 
the presentation of the pistol changes some with going to the red dots. So does the sight picture. So I'm not sure which one you want to hit on first and we'll go from there. Well, let's talk about presentation first. So the, pres the presentation model that we teach or the way we teach is broken down into five steps. You establish your grip on the pistol. If there's any retention devices, you deal with those. That's grip. Next step is clear, raising the pistol up and out of the holster. From there, it's rotate or moving the muzzle from a vertical orientation to an orientation in line with the target. That was the old click for when the 1911 was the predominant pistol. I mean, the thumb safety would come off. Smack is when the hands meet up and that's where things start to change. Um, previously, the hands would meet up, pistol would be extended towards the target and it would, it would climb or elevate on its own as that extension went on. With the dot, the pistol mounted optic guns, we found about three different ways to do it. Uh, one involves raising the, the back of the pistol up for me, that's the slide plate cover about my mustache or upper lip and then extending it out from there. So I'm picking up the dot sooner. Uh, second one comes from Scott Jelinski where he chops his support hand into the gun and rolls into the grip as he extends the pistol on the target and it comes up. George Mandy's, who's familiar to some folks, uh, longtime gun sight student, longtime student of several other folks, the way he explains his presentation is once he gets two hands on the gun, he's driving the knuckle of the shooting hand, the middle, the knuckle of the middle finger of the shooting hand from both hands on the gun to the target. So he, as he extends that, drives that knuckle, that's how he picks it up. And we, we talk about them, we show them, we give, give people a chance to work through those and see, this is kind of one of those cases where it's what works for you. Here's options. This is what works best for you with this platform. Yeah, my, my friend Doug Jones of the Georgia Shooter Group made a, a what I think is a very keen observation. And according to Doug is that with iron sights, when you're lifting the gun up, your peripheral vision catches the top of the gun, you know, and then the front, and then you, you know, the shooter drives that out. And that once we put a pistol mounted optic on the pistol, we start bringing the gun up. And the first thing our peripheral vision catches is the, you know, the cowling or the body of the optic and that we start our presentation out and that's too soon and that's why the dot's not arriving where we expect it to be and so you mentioned getting the the, the back plate up to about your mustache height which is folks this is proof uh, you do need a mustache to shoot better <laughs> so you, you heard it on the internet it's true um you know, I, in my own dry practice at work, I have concentrated on getting the back plate up to, you know, about chin and, and, and mouth level as I start to press out. And that has helped me get a more, I guess, consistent presentation with the dot. The other thing that I've noticed is that I'm shooting dots on uh, two different manufacturer pistols. In my personal time, I'm shooting the CZP10C and then for the my agency approved Glocks with with uh, RMRs. And so I have a Glock 19 uh, uh, Gen 5 set up with an RMR. With the Glock, I must at the end of the presentation, I must have e either intentionally cant the wrist a little more forward or exert a little more pressure on the with the pinkies for the dot to appear where I expect it to be. With the CZ, it's just my normal. I present the gun out and the dots where I expect it to be. Are you seeing differences based on the manufacturer of pistols? So the Glock grip angle has been something that's been discussed about as long as they've been out, right? First 1911 shooters trying to transition over encountered 
the grip angle issue. You'll hear guys now that are bouncing back and forth between Glocks and the 2011 pistols talking about the grip angle issue, right? I, my primary pistols have been MMPs free. After carrying 1911s for the majority of my career, last 10 years of my career is carrying MMPs, and there is the, the grip angle difference between the MMP and the Glock. Work the presentation dry with your primary pistol. Um, when I do work with the, with the Glock, if I'm demonstrating with it, like uh, the last class that we did down at Gunsight, everybody was shooting um, Glock, a Glock clone model during the class. Uh, Shadow Systems was the guy. Right, so when demonstrating with those, it was, okay, just be aware of this and here's the fixes for it, like you described, either the wrists or the increased pressure from the pinkies to drop that muzzle down on it. Okay, uh, you mentioned that there were differences with the flash sight picture. Yes, so the first one that comes up is we've got to break the focus on the sights, right? The longer you've been shooting sighted fire, concentrating on your front sight, the more that's great, the more we got to get you away from looking at the sight, in this case, the dot in the pistol mounted optic, um, and get you on to looking at the threat and letting the, the dot appear where you want the rounds to go, because that's where you're looking. So first thing is get you to look at the target or the threat, let the dot appear there. The second is accepting that it doesn't have to be perfectly centered in the window. Just like you talked about uh, the gentleman with the Georgia shooting group, right? And how the presentation would kind of correct itself as it would go. We're not, nobody was getting a perfect sight picture every presentation with iron sights. So, and there was still movement with it. Those sights were moving around. We've got to get folks to where they can accept that movement of the dot. Um, one of the things is by looking at the target, not focusing on the dot, the dot moves less or appears to move less for you. So we got to fix that part of it too. Once we can get there and get folks to where they're not looking at the dot and it doesn't have to be perfectly centered, we will get the same effect as the flash sight picture of just the front sight post coming on to the target or the threat when they're, they're presenting the pistol. Cool. How many classes have you run at Gunsight which are dedicated to the, the pistol mounted optic? So I've run three. Um, actually four. So we have two cataloged calendar classes. We run a two, 250 is the general pistol class. That's the foundational class that we do. Um, and then our 350 class is the intermediate pistol. We've run one of each of those um, open enrollment last summer. We turned around, ran a media event um, for Bushnell when they released their new pistol mounted optics right after the intermediate pistol class last summer ran everybody, all the gun riders that came out through a three-day version of the class. Um, we also had Casey Asubio and Jesse Harrison on the range with us for that. They're bouncing, we were bouncing back and forth. Um, May of this year, I was back down at Gunsight. We ran the first kind of industry event. Uh, one of the product rep groups came out with a shadow system, Glock clones, and Trujicon, I'm sorry, Holosun optics. and all the shooters running those. So we had a chance to put them through the 250 of the general pistol class for that. And then July, we're running another general pistol class that's dot specific and in August, um, another intermediate pistol that's dot specific. Okay, in the classes that you are running that aren't advertised as dot specific, do you have any numbers on what the ratio is of dot versus non-dot? 
No, but we're probably seeing two or three dot pistols, at least two or three dot pistols in every class. I'm sure we're, we're, they're probably seeing more, but this is just what I'm down there. Right. Um, I can give you numbers. It's, it's constant. People are coming with them. All right. So yeah, you've got decades of documented scores with the iron sights. And then now we've got several classes with the optics being run. What are you seeing as the difference in the scores? So increased scores and that's perception because I haven't sat down and actually crunched the numbers um, against it. it might remind me when I'm down there in July and I'll see if I can go grab some of those. Um, but the perception is that we're getting better scores um, because we shoot back to distance in the classes. Uh, 15, 25 and 15, sorry, 15, 35 and 50, depending on which pistol class it is. It's how far yards, yard wise we go back. Um, as folks get more comfortable with them, the times improve, but it's, it's just the repetitions on it to, to get you to that point. Um, the sooner you start someone on the dot in their shooting, the easier it is, the easier it is for them to progress with it um, and not have to break the habits uh, of where the focus is and trying to adjust it from there. Okay. Um, any, anything I haven't asked you about that you think is pertinent to this topic? We, let's see. So I talked about the changes. The, the one other thing that I didn't hit on, and this will go back to the compressed surprise break or the trigger manipulation is the dot tells you what you're doing. The dot's giving you really good feedback about how that gun's working, what you're inputting to the trigger, how you're managing the recoil, how you're handling those things. You have to be open to it. And again, you're not focusing on the dot, but you have to be aware of what the dot's doing because it'll give you information. Um, and that was one other thing that I wanted to hit on. And then finally too, we looked at a, what a bunch of other instructors were doing out there, what other folks, we're doing with it. We were fortunate that at the same time we were developing this Los Angeles Police Department, Los Angeles Sheriff's, Sheriff's Department, we're doing a big study on pistol mounted optics and we were getting some feedback from them um, as, as they could share stuff. We were looking at what other agencies were doing. Um, but I know I'm putting this together. Not only do we have the guys that were shooting red dots on pistols back in the 90s, but I can run down a list of a whole bunch of folks that were involved, not just other instructors at Gunsight, who were going out to pistol mounted optics classes, but Matt Jaquies at Victory First, Chuck Pressburg, uh, Scott Jedlinski, uh, Centrifuge Training, Aaron Cowan at Sage Dynamics, Dave Spaulding, and things he was sharing with us, as well as the SIG Academy, who we hosted for a pistol mounted optic instructor class. We were looking at what a lot of folks were doing out there. And then, as you talked about, having to find ways to combine it into the modern technique of the pistol where it would work. There were just some things that we couldn't necessarily take from folks uh, because they just weren't viable for it. There were a lot of things that when we could combine them, either specific techniques and skills or ways of presenting the material, we tried real hard to, to use that. Have you been getting any pushback from purists that, you know, the, the, Colonel Cooper didn't have red dot optics on top of his pistol, so we can't now? The one pushback that I have heard of, and it wasn't anything like that, but it was the belief that batteries are bad. 
And so I, I am aware of some folks that have complained about the possibility of battery failure um, on it. Once we kind of get them in a class, we get them in the class, we can talk to them about performance, about preventive maintenance, about care and feeding a gun. Like, look, at some point you change springs. At some point you replace sites because the tritium's exceeded its half-life, right? At some point, albeit sooner, you're changing batteries in an optic. Right. Okay. Not uh, pushing contagious concerns. Right. Uh, we have written in our agency policy that there will be the batteries will be changed at specified intervals. Uh, you have to bring the the optic and the pistol to one of the instructors that's approved uh, to do the mounting, and the instructor will be there with you when you do that, and we'll be reasoning with the optic and immediately shoot a qual course with it, uh, just to make sure that everything's on the up and up. Now, let me ask you: Are you doing that? On, on the optics that don't require you to remove it from the gun to change the battery, are you having them re-zero and recall like the hollow sun or the aim points? The only optic that has been approved is the RMR. Okay. So you've got to take the battery, the, the optic off to change the, the, uh, the battery. I have high hopes for this new Acro. Yes. And, um, you know, I'm sure that the policy will be revisited when we've got some more data on that. Uh, the final topic I want to bring up tonight is, you know, I've been doing this series on becoming an instructor and the qualifications of, of be, being a, a qualified firearms instructor. And I guess all that leads to this part of the conversation, the importance of continuing education for a firearms instructor, because if, if you're not a learning how to integrate this technology that's here it's not going away it's only going to become more prevalent how are you going to stay at the top of the game how are you going to stay valid do you have any thoughts on that you have to accept i think number one people have to accept that the pistol mounted optics aren't going anywhere Right. Um, then you have to be willing to say, okay, this is something I don't know anything about, right? When I first ran my pistol mounted optics in 2012, there were a relative handful of us that were on email, on text messages, on phone calls, trying to figure stuff out back and forth. Um, and fortunately, we were at the tail end of fielding optics on carbines. So there was a lot of discussion about running the optic, getting the optics on carbines kind of push through. Um, then I walked away from it because of reliability issues that I, that I had encountered. Um, when I came back to it, we were now, or I was then seeing, and I think the, the training community as a whole was seeing people out there who'd gotten a really good handle on optics and how to teach them. And the class I took when I came, decided to come back to the optics was Scott Jelinski's two-day red dot class. And Scott has a real good handle on how to teach that, teach the end user on how to use that, um, use that pistol. And he's got folks that are working with his material across the country. Then I was able to get into Aaron Cowan's law enforcement specific pistol mounted optic instructor class, and then go to the SIG Academy's pistol mounted optic instructor class and combine that with what we were seeing, what we were hearing from others. So, I think if you're teaching out there, even if you don't think that the dots relevant to you, at least go take a class so you have some understanding of how it works. 
Um, so hopefully you're not the guy getting referred to when somebody talks about, yeah, the dude that wouldn't accept the battery issue, right? At least understand how they're working. I had a uh, threshold moment here a couple of years ago. I was helping another instructor with a class and we had a student that was in his 70s that showed up carrying a pendant inside the waistband with a dot mounted on his pistol. And I said, all right, if that is occurring you better get on board, big boy, because if if it's gotten to that point and that level of acceptance, it's going to become more and more prevalent. You better know what's going on with both the appendix carry and the dot. And uh, while I have not chosen to adopt the appendix carry, I did get several different appendix holsters and I played with it with a blue gun learning all the techniques. And so I could, so I felt like so I would be an adequate coach for someone that came to one of my classes and was carrying appendix, I needed to understand that whether or not I adopted it. And then, then I started down the dot path. I've taken uh, Dave Spalding's red dot class and I've taken Brian Hill, which was my first red dot class was Brian Hills. And um, I've been shooting some IDPA matches uh, for the first time in years. I signed back up to, to go do some IDPA just to get some non-square range time uh, with, with the dot. And, you know, I'm seeing performance gains as far as precision, especially at distance, I am not as fast on the presentation. And so I have not yet started carrying the dot gun on duty or as my carry gun when I'm off duty, but I'm doing almost all of my training time with it. And it carries over. So one of the things I've gotten to be able to do now, which I couldn't for years, is I've been able to go to a softer focus on the front side shooting irons. I've got the sight picture. I'm still paying attention to the front sight. My visual attention is there, but it's not as hard as it was before. Um, but that's from getting the presentation down and having a very good feel for where that is. I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it, but I'm getting it down. Well, I, I was, I'm happy to say that the other day I shot a demo for the jail staff and I did it iron sighted and I shot a hundred on the call course. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I can do this still with, with the old man style. Uh, Eric, uh, any closing thoughts? Just, just a couple of things. It, the dots are here. Um, even if you choose not to work with it, if you're teaching or you're running an agency program, get some formal exposure to it, to it out there. Um, I did a class a few months ago with my trading company for a a statewide law enforcement agency up in New England. They don't think they're going to get the dots, but their firearms training unit wanted all their instructors to have some background, some experience with them. Um, Second thing up, gun sight's always a good trip. If nothing else for the historical, um, you don't have to take the 250 red dot class to take the 350 red dot class. If you've been through gun sight and taken the 250, you can come take the 350, the Red Dot 350 class. Um, again, the, both those are coming up this year. You know, I think they'll be on the calendar um, for as far as I can see out. Hopefully we'll get some more of them. All right, what classes do you have upcoming through Kruger Mountain Solutions? Um, two weeks, no, week and a half from now, I'm teaching uh, CCW's skills centric class. Uh, good guy with a gun over in Dublin, California that can be uh, signed up for through defensive accuracy. And the only other thing I have on the calendar for Cougar Mountain right now is a week back to Connecticut teaching at their police academy, um, both pistol mounted optics instructor and uh, low light instructor classes. Um, July, August, September, I'm back and forth between Northern California and Gunsight. 
So I just don't have anything in the next couple months on my, cool. on my uh, company. All right, folks, uh, take the time to look up Eric and see what kind of course offerings he's going to have. Keep following his his uh, web page and his Facebook page and his Instagram. And that is Cougar Mountain Solutions. Uh, Eric, I thank you for once again for your you know, your time to come on and, and do one of these interviews. And folks, this is like a phone conversation that happens between Eric and I at least once or twice a week as we deep dive into this kind of stuff. And so, Eric, thank you for that. And as of right now, you are ahead of John Hearn, two to one, as to the most appearances. I should be ahead of John Hearn, at least two to one. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. There you go. And I, I have to mention that uh, I beat John three to two at the reunion. Uh, on Saturday, and he started it. He's he beat me on the first drill, and he made a point of pointing that out. I'm like, oh, well, that's on now. I didn't start this, but I'm going to finish it. So I had to include that here for here for John. Uh, so he better get back to me with a time for his his next interview. Yep. All right. So Eric, thanks, and uh, everybody. I'm that Weems guy for first person safety. Thank you for your time. <laughs>